Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fassett. On this episode, we get to meet Joseph D'Augustino of Empty Country. Empty Country is the follow-up project following the dissolution of Joe's former band, Symbols Eat Guitars. In this chat, Joe and I discuss the newest Empty Country record, aptly titled Empty Country 2. We talk about his life after relocating to Connecticut, the state of the world, the state of his life, and what inspires his storytelling style of songwriting, including how he filters real-life heartache and tragedy into lightly fictionalized songs and tales of interconnected characters and plot lines. We talk about how sad music does not have to make you sad and can instead inspire thought and feeling. It's a really lovely chat about this very specific kind of lens that Joe has in his music, especially now as Empty Country. I hope you check out the record and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you for listening. This is me meeting Joseph D'Augustino of Empty Country. budding arborist of sorts uh, and she sort of figured out that there's this experimental treatment for tree of heaven removal where you drill holes into the into, into the the trunk and you insert these mushrooms in there oh. and the mushrooms because tree of heaven is like I don't know if you you probably know but it's it's really hard to to eradicate mm. like if you cut you cut down the main tree and then the root system goes like really far in a very short amount of time. And then it sends messages out to the root system to have sappers, like have things, you know, you'll have um, many more trees in a couple of years if you cut down the main tree. So this way we're going to, we're going to try and kill it with mushrooms, which is kind of fun (laughs) (laughs) instead of using roundup or or something. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we had a, uh, what kind was a locust tree in our yard when we moved in and we, we had it removed and we didn't realize that it had spread throughout like the entire yard. So yeah. we're still working on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, you get it. Yeah, yeah. Like it can, it can mess up the house's foundation and all that yeah. stuff. So. Well, and you're in, you're in Connecticut too, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in central Connecticut. Cool. I'm in, I'm in Southwest. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I didn't, I had not realized that you had relocated um, around here until we were setting this up. So I was like, Oh, it's kind of (laughs) neat. Yeah. Yeah. We left Philly, uh, at height pandemic height kind of, uh, we, we bought a house. We got lucky, got Mm. in at like the last possible moment that we bought a house. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, even houses around ours are like so expensive and we're just like, okay, I'm glad we moved here when we did. Yeah. I mean, it, it all seems like fake and inflated, so I don't pay attention to it. But right. it's it just never seems it. You know, I assume always assume that there will be a crash, having lived through you know two thousand eight and everything, but mm-hmm. it hasn't come yet. So no, we'll it seems it's it's seemingly just ongoing. Yeah. 
But you are here and I'm here and I appreciate your time. Uh, we should say before we, 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 we waste too much time talking about trees, that the reason we're really here is uh, the new Empty Country record, uh, which is your second Empty Country record, conveniently titled Empty Country 2. <laughs> promo, promo, promo. Yes, promo, promo. It's on Get yes. Better Records. It's out November 3rd. There and you tough go. love and, and tough, tough love, love in UK. UK, yeah, that's right. I have my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd be remiss if I didn't. If I, you know, Stephen would be upset if I didn't <laughs> you know, include him. Um, yeah, but yeah. So that's exciting. And I had, for some reason, I thought this was coming out like a whole month earlier than this. So we're actually quite a few months out from the release. Um, but I'm glad you're here and I'm wondering how you are sort of feeling these days. You're kind of teasing the record a bit. You've had a couple singles come out, but how are you kind of feeling as we get nearer and nearer to that date? Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, you know, optimistic. I, I think, um, the world, uh, you know, changes every time I go away and then, put out a record three years later um mm -hmm. but you know it's an exponential kind of thing at the at this point as uh um uh, so you know it's just a vastly different landscape uh than it was in 2020 mm -hmm. um so that's kind of been strange to figure out and navigate um but mostly i'm feeling really great about the thing that i made um, mm -hmm. and I am looking forward to, I mean, you know, I didn't get to play any shows for the last, oh, that's, for, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It came out. It, it's the, like one of the, <laughs> one of the de defining pandemic records, I feel like, or right. like for some, for some people, um, it just kind of captured that micro zeitgeist of like everybody being inside and willing to pay attention to a demanding kind of, uh, but tuneful uh album and so mm -hmm. but we didn't play any shows until two years later and it, it was only one at, at a knitting factory in brooklyn mm. uh before it relocated to manhattan um yeah but now now hopefully we'll get to do more of that and at the moment we have just two shows booked but that two is more than one um <laughs> you've doubled and, uh, <laughs> and, and and at the knitting factory but it's the new one in alphabet city nice um and then there's one show in London uh, that's a headline, um, and that should be that should be really great too because that was a great city for Symbols, hmm. um, which was my previous band. I don't know if, if everybody listening to this, Symbols Guitars was my right. my band through the 2010s. Yeah. yeah, I mean we yeah we could if people aren't aware yeah you were most known before for that band Symbols Guitars. Um, put out a few records you guys were sort of yeah like at the turn of the 2010s sort of zeitgeisty sort of rock bands um yes. i remember i remember discovering you guys when lose came out um mostly i think because of the cover and i just i was like what's that um which was i love that because i love that i love that cover i think it's um that was actually matt matt whipple uh basis and symbols that was oh. his his head and uh his his concept too yeah it's cool uh, i think it's wonderful yeah yeah um yeah. and then yeah and then you kind of went away for a bit when when symbols e guitars sort of took a took a breather and now you're back with these empty country records um but we'll we'll get into more of that later i, I do want to dive into this record 
Um, I haven't had a chance to sit with it and luxury luxuriate in it too too much because I've only had it a couple days. But I did listen a couple times. I tried to read along with some of the lyrics as well. Um, it's a pretty heavy record. Um, it, it is, but it yeah, it sometimes doesn't really sound like it is. Um, you know, there's some sort of more upbeat numbers. There's even some that are almost like danceable in a weird way. Um, yeah, like Bootsy. You know. Yeah, which. <laughs> is such a bleak song <laughs> but i love it that. is um yeah it's i mean i, it, I, I don't know i'm I, always I feel doing like that this. yeah I'm, I'm always kind of uh i mean since the beginning i've kind of been pairing uh some pretty dark subject matter with really like the bounciest kind of uh music um so that it's deceptive mm -hmm. in a way or kind of allows the it allows it to go down smoother, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Like on the on the first Empty Country record, there's a song called Becca, which is about a a, a psychopath uh, who basically is tricks people into uh, looking at an eclipse with uh, fake glasses that she doctored uh, at Disney. Uh, and it's uh, you know, but it's set to like a very simple you know, rudimentary kind of pop progression um, that kind of just makes it, it's just very tuneful and it passes by and then you're like, wait a minute, yeah. what, what did I just listen to? Um, and I kind of love that, so. Yeah, it reminds me yeah. a lot of like old Rilo Kylie stuff. They did a lot of that. Yes, kind of thing. yes. Um, so you mentioned Becca and you, and you mentioned Bootsy, which are both sort of these character studies um, set to song. But I also know that some of what's informed this record anyway has been sort of this general goings on of our world and of our country and sort of the tenor of the moment. Um, how do you how do you manage like intaking that and then creating these songs out of it? Like what is that process like for you? Um, I mean, some of it, uh, the most topical of the material for the new record, such as Earl King, um, I would, I would single out, I guess, um, was, is just like direct, a direct reaction. So like mm -hmm. I wrote it, I wrote that song, uh, the day of the Rob elementary, uh, mm. you know, the Evalde, uh, tragedy. Um, but I had, you know, we're, we're all in America, living under the the spec you know this constant threat of uh, being murdered in public places mm -hmm. um and so it's just something that's constantly on my mind but that particular tragedy uh sparked something in my mind and i you know i, I had been away from songwriting for a couple of years at that point um uh, and i was just starting to get back into it and I did the only thing that I could do, which mm -hmm. is, you know, write a little song. And that's, you know, I, I, I definitely process the world around me uh, in that way. And I also am able to kind of, you know, with the new record and with the first Empty Country record to a, a slightly lesser extent, I'm able to kind of filter it through uh, layers of, you know, fictions and poetry and things uh, to kind of, I don't know, refract it and mm -hmm. um, 
you know, art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No. And it, but as now, as someone who also lives in Connecticut, though, I'm curious if living here has sort of affected that for you or, or how oh, living here has affected your, your songwriting or maybe even the specific record. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, talking about, talking about Earl King, I mean, uh, I live not far from, from Sandy Hook mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's just uh, the the area is obviously haunted by by that tragedy. Right. Um, and uh, something I think about all the time uh, in my daily life. And but yes, I mean, the geography, the, the you know, I grew up in New Jersey, um, which I feel is kind of in some ways a kindred state to yeah. Connecticut because a lot of people uh, think about it as a, a drive through, like you drive through New Jersey or Connecticut to get right. someplace else where, you know, they, it has all of these wonderful things. They both have these, a lot of wonderful things to offer, but the, the worst parts of them are kind of the ones that serve as the, you know, what people think of when they, when they think of the state. Yeah. Um, you know, New Jersey, it's like Elizabeth, like the, you know, the, the refineries and the, you know, the, the, the smell and uh, mm -hmm. coming out of the Holland Tunnel and all that. Uh, and in Connecticut, you know, Connecticut is insanely beautiful. I mean, yeah. I, from where I live, we have five or six different places that I could drive 10 minutes to and just be in a wondrous scene of, of nature, you know, mm -hmm. just absolute splendor. And that is a huge thing for me and for my, and for Rachel, my wife, you know, our well-being, uh, we both need that type of thing. And so I feel like we're much happier up here than we are or were in a, in a city. Um, and it's just very easy to access uh, these things that kind of fill us with wonder. Um, mm -hmm. And that definitely fills the tank. Uh, creatively for me and it, it always has going you know all the way back to my beginnings as you know a 13 year old or whatever sitting on the bench near the lake you know in you know where town new jersey where i grew up kind of um mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's uh advantageous to the to the songwriting and it's it's definitely one of the you know i i've never written so much material that i was really excited about so quickly as i did for this new record so yeah yeah it is this it, i could be wrong but is this the longest record of yours or at least maybe wrong, longest empty country record well it's certainly the uh, longer than the first empty longer country the two, yeah. um it is the longest uh album now yeah, that i have ever released yeah because it ends with that sort of 12 minute epic closer which was yes. kind of a nice surprise Yes, cool S. Um, it was a it's a double it's a double LP uh, technically. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose some might call it a. It's more like you know, pavements wowie zowie is a side or two side three sides you know of vinyl. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like that, but I I ended up separating it into um, into four sides, uh, and it feels feels appropriate and good yeah. cool cool less the closer has its own side of vinyl because it's 12 12 and change yeah um yeah so but, it's it's quite it's quite long um and it's fairly demanding but it <laughs> uh 
I like to think that it's uh, rewarding too. It is, and it's not. It is demanding, but I don't think it's. I don't think it asks too much. I mean, it it does. It flows well. It has those numbers kind of in between the really really heavy ones that are a little bit more upbeat to at least, like you said, be deceptive or at least make it go down more smoothly. Um, but I am especially drawn to the darker and bleaker edges of the work here. I mean, you mentioned Earl King. N- knowing what inspired you to write that now makes me think of this even more profoundly, but the the line about uh, it being too late to be afraid. Um, yeah. You also yep. literally say, we're truly fucked on that song. Yep. Um, Bootsy has a line that I pulled out uh, w- when you sing, what a heartless era. So yeah. I know it's it sounds it sounds like quite a downer. I, I don't want people to think it's gonna be this really gloom and doom affair because I, I don't think it is, but but do you think that there is this certain sort of hopelessness that just sort of is really powerful these days or is pervading these days? And and like how do you manage that or what do we do with that? Certainly I um yeah, I I have struggled. I have struggled for a long time with depression. Uh, I have struggled with um, periods where I go through where, uh, like anyone else who has a smartphone, um, I'm I'm gonna you know there's doom scrolling, mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of get caught up in that um, sometimes for. Uh, I, longer than I would like to admit here, uh, periods of, you know, depression that can last months really. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, there's a, there's a landscaper <laughs> outside my, my neighbors. And it's just like whirring. Let me see if I can move to a place that's okay. a little quieter. Yeah. That's been Ooh. happening around here today too. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Suburbia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that, you know, uh, only, only a little quieter here. Okay, let's try this. It's fine. <laughs> so where where uh, where were we? Oh, um, what were we saying? Oh, the, the bleakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that the line that you, Earl King is is um, just kind of, uh, I tried to encapsulate like. The present moment, but also kind of the uh, the feeling that a lot of people my age. I mean, I I was in the fifth grade when Columbine happened, and I know that wasn't the first uh, school shooting or mass shooting. No, in, but it was uh, a turning history, point. It was the one where, yeah, it was brought to the fore. Uh, you know, the media covered it, and um, suddenly, we, you know, we were all afraid in a different way than we had been previously. Mm -hmm. Um, There was this element of chaos that had been introduced into our little lives. And um, so, I don't know, I just kind of brought that, uh, my own personal history and the history of, you know, people of my age uh, into the song as much as, as much as I could. I don't know if that came through, but, Mm -hmm. and the, um, the line that you mentioned in Bootsy, a heartless era uh, is actually, I mean, it, the same could be said about our, our present uh, era, but it's actually in reference to the Reagan years mm. um, of just, you know, turning a blind eye and uh, allowing an entire generation of uh, gay men uh, 
to be uh, to to die. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean that song is kind of inspired my um by my mom's time uh, in in Brooklyn and Manhattan in her in her youth in the in the late seventies early eighties. Um, she was you know her many I mean eighty five percent probably of her her good friends in the scene passed. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. So I, I, I brought that into the character, uh, of Marion, who is the subject of the, of the song called Marion on the first empty country record. And, uh, is the mother of Pearl, who is the, uh, the title character from the first song on empty country Two. Yeah. And uh, there's the, yeah there's these th- there's these through lines. Um, I just tried to flesh out a lot of the stuff that I was thinking about for the first Empty Country record, but I wasn't able to lean into as much as I would have liked because I, I felt like I had to um, continue the symbols uh, through line a little more than mm-hmm. uh, you know to to bring people to bring people along. Uh, so there, there are songs that deal more explicitly with my, obviously my personal life uh, on the first record. Whereas on this one, uh, there's really only, there's really only one, I think that is like immediately maybe recognizable as something, which is, I guess, David. Hmm. Um, but maybe not too. I, I, you know, people might just take that as another character sketch as well, which is fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I I did read in the the press material that it was sort of at least inspired by David Berman, yes, um, the late wonderful David Berman, um, which similarly ends. I mean, there's so much like heartbreaking lyricism here. It ends with that that last line: uh, "The mailer Damon won't deliver this message." Um, it's almost like darkly funny in it for a split second because it's like that message we all used to get in our email. Yeah. Um, but then it hits you like right in the gut. I mean, you have little moments like that throughout this record. Um, but again, I really don't want people to think it's such a downer because even that David song is kind of more upbeat than some of the others. There's a, there's a groove to that song. It's like, I don't think you, it doesn't seem like you wanted that song to just be this dreary song. No, no, I didn't. Um, yeah. I didn't. I don't want any of them to just be dreary. Um, You know, I don't think, and I don't think that any of them are just dreary. I think, uh, you know, all of it is kind of uh, fairly multifaceted Mm -hmm. um, and contains kind of all of the, or I tried to make it contain all of the complexity and, you know, the sadness and, but also elation and, um, just just all the stuff and all yeah. the things as, yeah. as <laughs> sorry um yeah uh, david that maller damon thing i i that's a literal uh, i forget what it, i i had finished uh, there was something it was it was a piece i was working on a poem or something and this was after dave had passed and for whatever reason i was like moved to just shoot off an email even though i knew that it wouldn't be answered and mm-hmm. i did get the um the subsystem you know mailer damon uh bounce back yeah. because obviously his his email had you know was 
full or whatever it was. But yeah, and that, that kind of uh, spurred spurred me to write that song along with the um I had just read that that Merwin short poem uh that I that I I think I mentioned in the in part of the interview of the press material it's just uh, a tribute to to John Berryman when when Berryman passed and Berryman was uh Merwin's teacher hmm. um yeah it's it's a the the phrase in the in David is kind of a a, a, a just sort of a paraphrase of of that poem uh you know i don't know who i'd show it to finally wrote a song for you don't know who i'd show it to that that line yeah um another thing i i noticed that i thought was um intriguing was that you mentioned in 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 the in the lead up to this record that the song fla is one of the ones that you're proudest of so far in your discography and i'm just i'm curious what it is about that one that you especially love or are proud of well i i'm just really still it's it's the first i believe yeah it's the first song that i wrote coming back to writing songs after um after whatever taking a break after after uh, the 2020 record came out and Mm -hmm. um I am just really in love with the way that we realized it in the in the studio. Um, I, I'm there are these little orchestral touches because uh, we made the record down at this place called Fidelatorium uh, in North Carolina that belongs to Mitch Easter, uh, wonderful producer, legendary guy. Uh, but he has this huge collection of orchestral instruments. So there's you know tubular bells and and um, you know, timpani and mm. that sort of thing. Uh, a wonderful, like a grand piano, and a lot of that stuff ended up on the song. Um, and there's a moment in the song, this this harmonica. Uh, there's a harmonica solo that kind of peaks with, and um, it's just it's a really raw. It just makes me feel something that I don't feel that I that I haven't been made to feel by any of my music so far and um i can't put my finger on it but it feels like something really big to me um not big like it's gonna be like um, like foo fighters uh something it's but like something meaningful to me um and uh yeah i mean and 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 the song itself is just i'm i have a soft spot for for the lyrics and i i love the way they how naked it is for for most of it, and it's mm-hmm. just there there for you. Um, yeah. And we mentioned earlier your sort of tactic of, of of shooting these observations of yours through these character studies. Now even more so with the connective threads between these two records. Um, so that leads me to to be curious: what role would you say that like actual literature has on your songwriting or has had over the years. Oh yeah. Enormous. Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm in the sort of the same cul-de-sac that I was when the first empty country record was being, was being, and I was asked, you know, asked some of these same questions Mm -hmm. and, but I mean, my favorites are still, kind of enduring 
through the last five years. So it's really, it's Joy Williams. Um, she's a giant for me. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a whole universe of in the in the things that she doesn't that she doesn't say uh, that she somehow just uh, brings through. It's like utterly it's supernatural and and magical um but also like very mundane in a lot of ways it's, mm-hmm. it's a similar magic to 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 dave Berman, who we were just talking about in some right. ways i feel um and roberto bolaño also a big one i read through all his stuff again uh while i was writing this record um, especially I uh, 2666, uh, was a, was a big one for me. Um, I, I just, there's something about how he, he writes a lot about writers and poets, um, and all of their petty kind of, you know, grasping and, and, and jockeying for position in, in the literary circles. And, uh, <laughs> I just, I find I find it a dark, very funny and um, relate to it in a lot of ways and my experiences in, in indie rock uh, and um, who else who you know Robert Stone is is an, a big one that I've gone back to hmm. I loved Dog Soldiers when I read it in in 2019 2020. And I've I, his short stories are are magnificent. Um, there's a collection called Bear and His Daughter that is just like uh, one of my favorites. Uh, and I yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of short fiction that I, I gravitate towards, and yeah. uh, a lot of poetry too. Though, like I, I love Charles Simic. Uh, rest in peace. You just lost him hmm. uh, a couple months ago, I think. Um, yeah, I, I do, I am generally reading pretty, pretty constantly. Um, I actually, I mean, uh, Seabald, you know, I, I, I got into like rings of Saturn and, okay. um, the immigrants and his, his three, uh, big novels, or I guess there are four, I don't know, there's another one called Austerlitz, um, that. I didn't, I didn't like as much, but yeah, Rings of Saturn was, was a big one that mm. influenced my lyrics on, on this new one. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, there's a, there was a whole kind of, in, in the blog rock era, there was a very sort of literary bent to a lot of uh, the, the lyricism that was going on. Like you have uh, sort of these whimsical things like the Decemberists or mm-hmm. you had like Will Chef, like from Ockerville River. Right. Um, but there was a decidedly kind of like a very, you know, they were trying to, they were trying to do something with the lyrics. And I, I always kind of appreciated that. And I was young enough in those years that it kind of had an influence on me. Um, yeah. And I always kind of hoped to, you know, cause it can also be very corny when, you know, some rock guy, it's like, oh, cool. Like you've read, you've read some books and now you're going to like <laughs> educate us through, through song. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, I, I always just bristled at the thought of 
of being if you set something to a you know a lyrics or, or poetry to a rock song it's not going to be taken seriously or it's or it's going to be judged on a different uh on a different scale um right and you know because it's just it's just a rock song or it's just a pop song um i think i've read a lot of a lot of the guys that i or or ladies that i idolize have talked about uh that stuff but the best the best of it is indistinguishable um you know joanna newsom mm. uh that that album divers um yeah. rachel my wife introduced me to that album um many years ago now i guess and uh it's utterly magnificent and i just you know i don't think there's anything separating it from all of the great poetry of history i mean she's like to me she's her lyrics read like uh, like kind of like heart crane or like have you, you know the bridge by heart crane is what what a lot of the lyrics on that record make me think of i mean um, you were you were speaking to someone who is who considers her probably the greatest songwriter currently alive <laughs> I I uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't and couldn't argue with that Lyric, and, um, lyrically at least because you're right you're right I mean I could I could probably have a whole podcast about her <laughs> I think yeah absolutely you could and you you wouldn't even probably plumb the depths in in a hundred episodes uh, yeah. there's just so much there it's like deeply referential um, that's that's the thing is like. I love going through something with a fine tooth comb and kind of finding that you've only touched, just scratched the surface and you can explore the references and the, you know, you just discover new things as you read more. Mm -hmm. You say, oh, well, you know, that's maybe what she was taught or this piece of, you know, like mythology or, you know, the more gaps you fill in, uh, which you know, we're all kind of constantly doing the more that you understand great works because great works are a lot of the time re re referencing other great works. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, her, her work is especially sort of elusive and, and does reference a lot of things and also rewards reading because in her, at least in the like the lyrics that come with her records it's even down to the grammar even down to the punctuation it means something and i feel like that is sort of the mark of like you say sort of dissolving that line between pure pop songcraft and poetry yeah and then you know she's you know a virtuoso on her instruments mm -hmm. and she's you know beautiful and it's just like this whole package it's, it's, it's really it's really something yeah we um, are we are hoping against hope that there is a new record coming yeah we're hoping yeah um anyway so have you ever thought about writing a novel not a novel <laughs> um i mean maybe now that um, so i i did this um short story like audio short story thing for the release of the first single from Empty Country 2 uh, um, that kind of fleshes out the universe of the albums a little bit. Uh, and it's from the perspective of Pearl, who is the narrator of her song, Pearl. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of spent the next that, that month in a trend and, um, and revising and revising, which uh, was really fun. I did all the, the voices of the characters, like I pitched my voice. Um, and I did all this sound design. 
Um, but the actual writing of the short story, I always kind of had this attitude about myself. It's like, oh, I'm just like, just a singer in a band, just a rock guy. Like my lyrics are fine. Um, but I could never write anything long form. I can barely like write an email. <laughs> um, and doing this, this writing this story kind of, I proved to myself, I guess that I, that I could hmm. write something a little longer, you know? And, um, so now it's not out of the question that I could end up writing, um, a novel, I guess, but, um, it would, I don't know that it would be something that I would want. I, you know, I've, I've heard from my friends who are in that world that the, you know, the literary world is kind of makes the, you know, the, the music, the music industry look, look tame by comparison in some <laughs> ways. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's just fraud at every level and every strata of society. And, yeah. uh, so you just kind of, I guess, have to be prepared for that wherever you go. Yeah. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll see what happens, but I, I certainly will be trying to write more short stories, um, to fill in the gaps and to kind of flesh out the songs. Um, cause it's fun. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a fun way to spend your time. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm an English teacher in my daily life, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah. I appreciate that, that that someone is saying, Oh, writing's fun. It it I mean, yeah. It is fun. I, <laughs> it is. I, I you know, I never feel more alive. Uh not with I don't you know, the short stories are a new thing, but working on songs or working on anything, I get in the zone where I I can't stop until it meets my fucked up little like my personal standard for what I think is good and I can't really rest until it gets there. So I'm waking up and it's what I'm thinking about and it's what I'm turning over in my head the entire day, just thinking deeply about it. And then you go to sleep and you subconsciously process things and you wake up and it's, it's a little different and mm -hmm. it's, it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful process. And, uh, you know, creating stuff is, is probably if there's any meaning, which there probably isn't, but if there is, it's, you know, <laughs> very close to why humans would be here. Mm. That seems like a very nice note to end on. All right. So uh, let's just restate, let's replug. Uh, the new Empty Country record, Empty Country 2, is out on November 3rd. I don't know if at this point, if this will be out right before or right after, but whatever the case may be, people either pre-order it or order it. Those are your only options. Um, so thank you very much, Joe, for talking to me. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to hang out today and, and talk all things uh, Empty Country. My pleasure, really. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. <laughs>